Welcome to the Catholic Connect Podcast. I'm your host, David Scubin. This is a podcast for all Catholics and people of goodwill who strive to live in the world but not be of the world. First and foremost, we need to be disciples of Jesus ourselves, and then we go forth and make disciples of all nations, just as our Lord commanded. Through a series of timely topics and great guests, we will take that long and narrow journey to heaven together, encouraging each other in faith and virtue along the way. So let's get started. Praise be Jesus Christ now and forever. It's a real blessing to have the following guest join us. He's the Director of Strategic Alliances at the OSB Institute for Catholic Innovation, the philanthropic arm of our Sunday Visitor Publishing Company, and one of the oldest Catholic grant makers in the United States. So some real good work happening with our friends at our Sunday Visitor. The newly named OSB Institute for Catholic Innovation seeks an evolution that better embodies the values by which OSV was first founded, and we're going to be talking about that mission here shortly for sure. He's also a, f- a former professor at the University of St. Francis in Indiana and came to the OSV Institute for Catholic Innovation in early 2020. He's responsible for managing existing relationships with generating new opportunities on a national basis with Catholic institutions, startup businesses, and Catholic ministries. Most importantly, he is a family man, and he is our brother in Christ. Mr. Matt Smith joins us. Welcome to the Catholic Connect podcast, Matt. Dave, thank you so much for having me here, and I look forward to our conversation, talking a little bit about the OSV Challenge and wherever else we might go. Absolutely. That's great, Matt. And before we get into that great work that you guys are doing, and and real exciting work, truly exciting work at the OSV Institute, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, your journey of faith? Sure. Well, I, I am a cradle Catholic, so 12 years of Catholic school and and uh, uh, received my Ph.D. And, you know, I had a little bit of time in my 20s and early 20s, like many people do, sort of questioning the faith and, and uh, going through some, you know, just discernment. And, and then lucky enough, uh, I found a parish in Bloomington, Illinois, run by some Franciscan friars who uh, uh, seemed to speak directly uh, to me. And one of my favorite stories about that is went to a Sunday mass and uh, the Monday afterwards, I made an appointment with the pastor, Father Rick Schneider, and went in and said, you know, Father Rick, I'd like to volunteer to do something at the parish. Um, I, you know, and I was thinking about something physical like paint, you know, clean, whatever. Uh, and he said, well, that's great because we had an eighth grade uh, uh, CCD teacher resign and we really need somebody to do that. And I said, I'm not sure I'm qualified to teach middle school uh, catechism. And he said, well, here's the book. I'll put you in touch with uh, 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 the folks that run the program and you'll do a great job. And so, so you know, it was a great time for me to kind of relearn my faith as I had to teach a, a bunch of uh, young people uh, as they were getting ready for confirmation and all those things. I got to know a community of folks. And so really that started me. I would say, you know, sort of reignited my faith and really got me interested in the Franciscan charism. And and I was lucky enough uh, to work for 17 years at the University of St. Francis in Fort Wayne, Indiana, uh, sponsored by a wonderful order of sisters, the Sisters of St. Francis Perpetual Adoration uh, with a mother house in Mishawaka, Indiana. And so um, really allowed me to spend some time uh, learning more about my faith, the Franciscan charism, uh, really identifying with that. And then um, last February, uh, right before the pandemic started, I transitioned over to the 
uh, OSB Institute, uh, which has been a great, uh, great transition, great move for me, uh, my family, professionally, and, and, you know, allowed me to explore my faith and to learn more about the Catholic Church in a much broader way uh, throughout North America. Yeah, that's so great. And, and you know, when you share your faith, it really encourages you to learn more about your faith too, right, Matt? And now you're in a position where you can you can promote it and share it with others. But uh, I know for myself, it's always like, I got to learn more about my faith too, because you, you can't give what you don't have, right? And I would say, put that on a coffee mug, right? So No, it, it, it really is. And it's really a constant experience. I mean, we talk about that uh, internally at OSB too. You know, it's it's always finding new things about the faith, discerning more things, prayer, um, scripture, church history, all those kind of things. It just adds, um, adds to that knowledge and adds to that relationship with Christ, and which is so important. Yeah, that's outstanding. You know, we're going to talk a little bit about what's uh, happening here with the uh, the OSV Challenge and, and the Institute, to, and then talk about this uh, this competition, which is is outstanding. Who, who doesn't like a good competition, right? You know, Matt, I was just uh, uh, thinking about this scripture verse this morning. I thought I'd share it with you because I think it ties in perfectly with what you guys are up to. And this is from St. Paul's letter to the Philippians. It's from uh, chapter 4, verse 8. It says, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And I thought, you know, we got people here that uh, in this competition, they're going to be applying uh, for uh, for this uh, this uh, this grant, this uh, this money to uh, to help them with their mission. And I thought, you know, St. Paul really puts that down beautifully of what we need to do, what we need to be thinking about, what we need to be filling our minds with. And you think of these crazy award shows that we've been seeing over the years and even recently and and a lot of the the, the filth, right? The garbage that's on TV and 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 through the computer and through the internet and all those things. And these are, these are things to really focus us back on the gospel and sharing it with others. So maybe tell us about not only this competition, but what you guys are doing at the OSV Institute, because it's not just this competition, right? The, the challenge, it's, it's a, it's a bigger picture than that, right, Matt? Sure. And Dave, I'd like to share with your listeners a little bit, just the history of OSV Institute, OSV in general, because I think it sets the stage and and really, over the last year, year and a half that we've discerning about where we would make our grant making, we really did go back to our history. So OSV itself was founded in 1912 by Father Noel, Northeast Indiana, Huntington, Indiana. Um, you know, there's some apocryphal stories. If they're not true, they should be true. But, you know, that he did buy a printing press for one dollar and then started, um, you know, doing the OSV newspaper. And from that, you know, grew uh, OSV now, which many of your listeners may know is you know, they, they uh, publish um, uh, trade books, they have curriculum uh, for schools and homeschooling. Uh, we have about, oh, 15,000 of the 17,000 parishes who do their envelopes. We also have a large back end uh, support system, what I call the back end, where we church management system, capital campaign help, marketing help, you know, different kind of support services like that. So really, you know, OSB has grown into this um, large social enterprise. Um, and in 1915, uh, Archbishop Knoll decided that, you know, any of the profits made uh, from any of the operation of OSV should go back to the church in North America, you know, in the United States and Canada. And so the Institute uh, was formed in there and then was incorporated into a more formal entity in, entity in the 70s. And so about, you know, doing traditional grant making supporting all kinds of organizations, um, you know, across the world, 
or not across the world, sorry, across North America. Um, and you know, about three years ago, four years ago now, um, OSV hired Jason Shanks as the president of the Institute. And he took a year to, to, to sort of discern what were some of the challenges that the church was facing. And, and I'm sure many of your listeners and you're aware of you know, people leaving the church. Um, also, it's, you know, it's been a difficult couple of years in the church, some of the scandals, uh, the sex abuse scandal, some of the financial issues, all those kind of things. And so, you know, Jason, what Jason discerned were there really were three areas that OSV Institute could support, which were the Hispanic, you know, the growing Hispanic church in North America, um, the domestic church, you know, um, many families setting up uh, sort of understanding the faith. And is there um, maybe have uh, different uh, levels of catechism, um, those kind of things. So how he could, how the Institute could help support the domestic church. And then finally, the millennial or none question, you know, as we lose uh, folks, um, you know, how do we bring people back to Christ? And so for the last two years or so, that's what we funded in a traditional grant making cycle. And then in 2020, we debuted the challenge. Um, which began, uh, you know, much like year, much like this year, with a opening application. So if people go to osvchallenge.com, and I know we'll mention that a couple times during this, um, they can learn a little bit about the application process and things like that. Um, but we had about 350 applicants last year, and from those 350 applicants, we got down to 12 finalists. Those 12 finalists went through uh, uh, a accelerator. Uh, with the university, um, and then we had three $100,000 winners. While we were doing that, we were doing some assessment on our traditional grant making um, enterprises. And what we saw was our ability to have an impact on the church, really around bringing people to Christ and to serving the world. Um, we thought that the challenge was having that impact. It was, it was starting a fire. It was building an innovator tribe. It was also bringing other foundations and investors um, to these innovators because many foundations and private philanthropists were having those conversations we were. Were we having an impact? Were we um, helping the church grow you know, within the magisterium, but, but really you know, funding things that we have funded for 20 or 30 years and not really seeing the needle move, people doing excellent work, but how were we on fire? And so what we decided in, in 2021 was to what I'll say is double down on the innovation challenge. And so we're expanding our rewarding of prize money. We're still having the three $100,000 prizes. But as people go through the rounds, once you make it to the semifinal stage, which will be 25 semifinalists, there is prize grant money awarded, slightly larger at the finalist stage and then competing for the three $100,000 prizes. And really we saw this focus on innovation working back to our original founder, Archbishop Knoll always an entrepreneur, always an innovator, looking for different ways to serve the church with new mediums, you know, with a newspaper in the early 20th century, um, moving into electronic media, um, books, trade books, anything that could, could serve the church in new ways. Um, you know, if people are familiar with the Institute, we started last year along with the Innovation Challenge, the OSV Talks, which are sort of Catholic TED Talks. If your listeners haven't gone to those, um, I really suggest there's there's probably about um, you know about 15 of those out right now and and you know they're everything from innovation to freedom of speech to you know Dave before the the podcast you and I were talking a little bit about what happens if people don't come back there's an excellent uh, talk by Dan Salucci on that very topic 
Um, always hopeful, but always about innovation. And so in January of 2021, the Institute actually rebranded itself as the Institute for Catholic Innovation, the OSV Institute for Catholic Innovation, to really, as I said, go back to our original charism with Archbishop Noel, but also, you know, sort of a, a public de declaration saying, you know, we really believe that the greatest service we can provide to our brothers and sisters and to the church is to be a catalyst for innovation. Yeah, and I really like this, uh, the, the idea of having the uh, these talks that you have, you know, TED Talks, and I know there's a lot of Catholics that, that listen to it, and a lot of the TED Talks are, are good, but it does come from a real secular worldview, right, Matt? Like, it's a it's very, very much secular. There are some Catholics that have even presented on TED Talks as well, which is great, but it's nice to have uh, talks and um, ideas, innovative ideas, sharing these things with other people from a Catholic worldview. It makes a big difference in our church, and I'm really glad you guys are doing that too. That's outstanding. And, you know, I'm a sales guy. I have a secular job. A lot of things that we pick up, you know, in our secular jobs and in our secular life, we can really apply into evangelization, can't we, Matt? I mean, this is, we talk about, you know, sharing the gospel and, you know, Jesus says they'll know you by your fruits. And there are objective things that we can do and goals that we can set in order to bring people back to, to Christ and see what our results are and where we need to work out and where we need to be better, maybe some things that we we're not doing so well that we can change up. And I think that those are all really, really important. So now a hundred thousand dollars, that's a, a big chunk of change. And you know what, here in Canada, uh, and I also want to confirm that Matt, Canadians are eligible for this as long as they have what, just maybe confirm that really quick too. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, folks in North America, United States and Canada are eligible to apply. Um, we do ask in, in um, you know, by the end of the, the contest, you know, we, we do ask that organizations, you know, sort of discern, are they a nonprofit? Are they a for-profit? Do they have a tax ID? Those kind of things. Um, but one of the things, you know, Dave, is, as you were talking a little bit, just to tell people is really encourage people, you know, we're looking for, we're casting that net for innovation wide. So I encourage people, you know, if you're thinking, well, maybe my idea isn't good enough, or I don't know if I have, you know, I want to take that leap of faith, do it. Because a couple of things, every stage, you know, apply for round one, we ask you to give sort of a, a concept of what you want to do. If you make it into round two, we, we narrow that down. And you talked about working in the secular world. You know, what we, what we want to provide folks too is resources. So as, as folks get to the semifinal stage, there will be an accelerator again that will help, help folks design a business plan and a pitch video. So as they go out and look for investment, whether they're philanthropic investment from the nonprofit side, or maybe equity um, investment uh, from uh, a for-profit side. We help people along that line. We also will provide mentors uh, along sort of a, you know, trying to align them with, with folks that have been down this road in their uh, shoes, you know, whether it's media, creative arts, um, you know, uh, uh, parish ministry, Hispanic ministry, any of those kind of things. So right now we're really casting that net wide. And I will tell you last year we had um, uh, folks that made it to the final round that literally were a back of the napkin kind of idea and then grew it and, and uh, evolved. We also had what I, what I would call more um, uh, developed companies, but that or developed organizations that had a new or innovative idea that they wanted to try to develop within their organization. So there was a Canadian uh, company that was a finalist, uh, Glass Canvas, who some of your 
listeners might be familiar with uh, who had a certain aspect of their company that they, they wanted to develop and they were a challenger. And so, you know, really, um, I, I would encourage folks, you know, again, part of it is a leap of faith. And so I get a, I've gotten a lot of questions. We opened up the challenge on uh, early January um, and the due date for, uh, for uh, applying for round one is April 2nd. So it's coming up. But, you know, I've had a lot of people say, well, I filled out the application, but I don't know if I, you know, I don't know if I want to submit. And I just really want to encourage people, you know, take that step. Even if you don't make it to round two, putting those ideas, articulating them, they'll lead them somewhere. And you make it to round two and there's, there's a little bit more detail that we ask for. It pushes your, your idea or organization along. Um, so, but back to a very simple question that you asked that now I gave a very long answer to was, yes, um, anyone in Canada is, is able to apply. You know, again, sort of uh, getting to that point, if you're not um, a nonprofit or um, incorporated in some way, you, you have that goal as something you'll do by the end of the, um, by the end of the challenge, because if you do win that $100,000, we have to have that so that you can get your prize money. And a reminder too, Matt, that's a U.S. dollars, right? So in Canada, you yes, it is U.S. dollars. Thank you for clarifying. That. I mean, that's uh, yeah. At least today, I just checked really quick. It's uh, there's a 25% uh, delta there, so it's uh, it's even more if you're in Canada. So let's uh, <laughs> definitely want to encourage uh, our, my fellow Canadians to to apply. But you know, the, the bigger picture here, Matt, I think is you know we know that there's there's going to be three winners that are selected, which is outstanding. They get hundred thousand dollars U.S. each, but there's it's getting connected to the community, isn't it, Matt? getting connected to other innovators, other people that have ideas in the church, just like what you and I are doing. I mean, we're, we're getting together as gentlemen. We're talking about the church. We're talking about evangelization. And we're not even in the same country, but this is what we need to do, I think, in the church. And uh, so even if you don't get selected, I'm really glad to hear that you said that there's still support for people that might not make it to the final three, right? There's still support because your ideas are still good. You just might not be in the top three. That doesn't mean your idea is bad. That's right. And, you know, we want to model a number of things that we really believe are values for us. And, you know, part of it is um, the idea is important, but, you know, as as an organization, people are important. So really one of the things that we're trying to discern about with the contest, too, is, you know, who are the people who are coming with that coachable heart, who are coming with that hungry heart, who are coming with that passionate heart. So it really is, you know, entwined is is both the person and the idea. And, we are trying to build that innovation community. Um, one of the things that we found um, last year was that many of the finalists sort of bonded together and, and were able to support each other. And I think many of your listeners, especially those listeners that may be entrepreneurs or maybe innovators, and you know, it can be a very lonely task um, as you're trying to get that idea or that organization off the ground. And so connecting with other folks, either mentors that have been through it can give you some advice, share with some with you some wisdom, uh, but also just people going through the same things. You know, are are you a, a a mother that's trying to raise your three children while working on this organization that you're running out of your garage, or you know, are you are you a young adult um, who has this great idea and you you know you're working on this program, uh, and so you feel like you're isolated and you know uh, uh, aren't doing anything. So we're trying to build that innovative tribe within the church. Simultaneously, we're also really trying to build an investor tribe. Um, you know, OSV is, as has, um, you know, uh, invested a lot of money, a lot of funds, and a lot of resources into this challenge. 
but we're also working with a number or looking to work with another a number of other um, investors, both private philanthropists and um, equity investors, venture capitalists, uh, and foundations who also want the church to grow, want to see great things for the church, and also understand that it's important that we collaborate on these things. So, you know, I, I think, Dave, you were very insightful with that, is that, you know, the idea is important, and we, we want to help with the, the business plan and sort of the pragmatics of how you do these kind of things. But we also really want to concentrate on the on the people. And so it's as part of our, our accelerator, it's not only sort of the business part, but it's also a spiritual accompaniment. Um, there is a spiritual formation that goes along with this, um, with the accelerator. And, you know, part of that is, too, as you mentioned, the new evangelization. We really, as we discerned what we were going to do with our grant making going forward, we really talked about that new evangelization and as a way to accompany um, these, these innovators and these investors and to try to be a catalyst for that. We really wrapped ourselves around that. And, and we hope that we're, we're providing some small steps to that um, to become part of that, the, what John Paul II, St. John Paul II called on us to do. And it does seem like, you know, the devil isolates us. That's what he tries to do. He tries to isolate us as individuals. And I think he does the same thing with ideas. And I think that was an interesting point you, you brought up, Matt, where, you know, um, a lot of people are just, you know, they're by themselves and they've got this idea and they just can't seem to, to take that next step to, to let it out. Maybe there's some, maybe there's some fear, maybe there's some pride, who knows what it is. Right. But uh, it was interesting too, you know, we're talking about investors, um, other business people, other individuals. I don't know if you get the same feeling Matt, but it seems for a lot of years, there's been kind of that disconnect. I think there's so many Catholics that want to do something. They look at the church and say, we want to make a difference uh, by whether that's providing money, providing our resources, or providing our talents in some way, but there is sort of that disconnect. So have you seen a lot of individuals and even, you know, businesses, investors approaching your your group of people and say, hey, how can we get in touch? How can we kind of bridge that gap so we can we can bring our resources uh, particular and specifically to people that are trying to develop these ideas and help them along? You know, last year, Dave, was such an interesting year. Uh, you know, the, we had planned to have a in-person, what we're calling a demo day, uh, for the uh, 12 finalists to, to pitch their ideas to our judges. But we were also trying to bring in uh, philanthropists and investors and things like this. And you know, we had to pivot to a virtual event, which went well and our, our finalists did a great job, um, but it wasn't quite the same feel. And so this year we're very hopeful that we'll be able to have an in-person event for that September 18th sort of demo day where the, the uh, finalists will be able to pitch their ideas to judges. But we're also hoping to bring some investors philanthropists together too. And we've received very positive feedback. Again, you know, one of the things that, that is one of our core values is we really want to collaborate. Um, you know, and, and conceptually, so many people share in that, you know, we're, we're uh, you know, community is really important. But sometimes it is tough to work through the details of that. You know, how do you collaborate? What would people be able to support? How would they be able to support? But we have had different investors, different foundations, different private philanthropists. We have been able to garner some support uh, for our last year's 12 finalists, not only the winners, but um, investors uh, in other ways uh, to some of those. So, and we're hoping to grow that. I mean, really, this is a very, I mean, uh, this is a very long game, um, you know, to kind of pick up on, um, you know, sort of Simon Sinek, we want to say it's the, the infinite game. I mean, we do, we really want to think that, that it's not a finite, we're going to do this for three years and then we'll do something else. 
it's really, we want to make sure that, that we're building um, something that, of course, is bigger than ourselves, but bringing other foundations, bringing other philanthropists in to amplify our funds, but also to give that sense of working together towards a common goal of that new evangelization. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess with the, the, the folks that you've seen that uh, from last year, at least, that have uh, that applied and that were, uh, were given some of this grant money and they've, they've proceeded to the next round, like, what are some of the things that um, that they really needed that extra help in? Maybe not. Maybe it had nothing to do with the money either, but maybe just that extra support. Where do you see sort of some of those gaps that uh, that they said, "Man, this was really great that you guys provided this particular support for us that maybe we didn't have access to before." Yeah, we. I mean, we were very fortunate that that we worked with um, both an organization called Scent and we worked with Notre Dame Idea Center. Uh, we worked with some fantastic mentors. Um, you know people like Deacon Charlie Echeverry, um, you know, just uh, Kate Sell, uh, some other folks. We had some great speakers that came in. And so some of the things that people helped, you know, each other through. So some of it was, you know, it depended a lot where people were on a continuum of development. I mean, some, some of the folks, some of our challenges were discerning, am I a nonprofit? Am I a for-profit? What's the advantage? What's the con to both of those? And so we had folks that could coach them through that. Becoming a nonprofit, and I'm not intimately familiar how it is in Canada, but in the United States, it's a, it's a pretty, I would say, um, arduous task, almost Sisyphusian. Uh, I'll do that mythological reference for everybody, uh, you know, um, you know, in some ways. But so helping them get that. For some, we had some legal advice in terms of, you know, even how they want to set up their governance, their boards, those kind of things. For others, we, we worked with them in terms of valuation. You know, if they were out looking for some equity or venture capital, how do you value a company that's only existed for six months? Um, you know, and, and being authentic about that. Um, you know, and so, you know, providing a lot of those kind of things. And again, some of it was just community. Oh my gosh, so there were other people that were doing this. And then there was also, like I said, that spiritual accompaniment, um, you know, that, that you know, you know, we, we spent some time with certain saints that could be seen as innovators or entrepreneurs looking at their lives, um, you know, um, making sure that, that our, our finalists, our challengers understood the importance of a prayer life. I mean, I think all of us, when we have families, we have jobs, we have other interests, prayer can sometimes get a short shrift. And I think all of us um, who have had, you know, maybe a little time in the desert without prayer know how important that prayer life can be. And so, you know, really um, focusing on that. For others, it was about, you know, how do I engage my family? You know, I'm consumed by this idea. I want to, I want to succeed for all the reasons. And, you know, and, and, you know, these are normally type A personalities, you know, driven, ambitious for all the good things that brings or sometimes that it can bring some bad things. And so, you know, really trying to, to do all those kind of things. Um, so, you know, we really did try to, what I would, you know, term sort of form the whole person, the whole innovator as they went through, you know, working on their idea, their business plan, the pragmatics of that, but also working on the person. And I think, you know, I referred to Simon Sinek, but I think, you know, there's um, lots of church documents too that really, you know, it's the dignity of the person. It's recognizing the person as a, as a whole human and in the image of God is really important as you build these kind of things. 
I think that full meal deal, that full package is so important practically and spiritually too. Because if we have our spiritual lives right, Matt, if we're, or at least we're striving for that holiness and perfection, boy, I'll tell you, you're going to see some great results if you live a sacramental life. You go to confession regularly. You have a prayer life. You receive communion worthily. All these little things, they're going to help you in, in other areas of your life too. How you deal with your family, how you deal with your job, how you deal with relationships. So I, I just, that's such a, that's such a great thing that you can, form those people as individuals into the people that God wants them to be. And we talked a little bit about trends already, Matt, but I did want to just uh, maybe ask you again, if you've seen anything specifically, I know it's only been one full season and now you're in the middle of the applications and reviewing them for the second year, but are there specific areas that you're seeing certain ideas uh, going towards? Is it, is it towards young people? Is it towards the domestic church? Is it towards programs in the parish? What, what are, is there sort of a trend that you've, you've noticed uh, over the last year or so? Well, you know, what's been interesting is, you know, those three strategies that Jason Shanks, our, our president, you know, talked about in terms of our traditional grant making, um, those really came to the fore. Our three finalists almost sort of fit into that with, you know, the Juan Diego network around the Hispanic experience. Um, uh, we had um, Eden Invitation around the millennials, sort of uh, young adults, um, you know, those kind of things. And then we had the domestic church uh, with Catholic Sprouts. And so, you know, you see that, I think those were three, three areas that, that Jason rightly focused on and, and sort of came out. But we also, a lot of technology, um, you know, how can we make, and, you know, there were, there are different things. Like, you know, we had a great, um, last year we had a great finalist who um, actually developed by a priest and, and a layperson. It was sort of a parish management system. So the pastor, um, almost a customer relationship management system. So the pastor could focus more on being pastoral and not so much on sort of the daily work that an administrator of a, of a organization has to do. Um, you know, so technology in that way, um, you know, I, and I'm, I'm a pure Gen Xer. And so I'm not, uh, you know, I, I, I will say that, and I'm also, I love, I like technology, but I'm not as comfortable with my, you know, 15 year old daughter in technology. So you know, we're also seeing ways, um, you know, we're, we're seeing some technology things about how people are connecting. Um, Catholic education is, you know, K through eight, but also some great things in the creative art. I mean, um, you know, sometimes we forget that um, the Catholic church, you know, around the idea of the creative arts, sacred music, uh, paintings, other kind of creative arts, you know, we were always at the forefront of that. And maybe we've lost that, or maybe that is um, taking a back seat to some other things. So seeing some ideas around the creative arts has been really, uh, for me, um, very, very powerful. Um, so, you know, as I said in the earlier, we've really cast our net wide around innovation. We did discuss, you know, should we focus on innovation in X or Y or Z? And at least for the second year, we decided we wanted to keep it really wide because we wanted it to be sort of a grassroots response. Where do people see, you know, innovation needed in the church? Um, but I would say that, you know, for the most part, one overall theme is really about people. Um, you know, it's either about serving people, it's about bringing people to the church, it's about growing them in the church. So it's really, you know, almost every idea is around people. Yeah, that's outstanding. And, you know, that's the one thing I really liked about the, the OSV Institute and then the challenge itself. Uh, you're putting out some real slick and engaging marketing material, you know, in videos that, uh, you know, that's on social media and through YouTube. And, uh, you know, in the Catholic church, we've got these eternal truths, these ancient truths that never change. 
but there's ways there's new and innovative ways that we need to promote them or to share them with others especially in this digital world so you know maybe back to the the institute itself how important is it and what kind of um, uh, goals and the mission that the institute has itself to reach others in the digital world and reaching others through because you know we see the internet's a, i mean it's a, a cesspool of all kinds of craziness there sometimes but how do you wade through that and get people's attention to to bring it to the institute but more specifically to the gospel that how important is that to reach people through that digital that digital uh, footprint i guess that you leave it's incredibly important dave and i think you know um not to sound too lofty here but you know again remember there were many people who thought when the printing press was uh uh, developed that, you know, this was the decline of Western civilization because the common people would be able to read and, you know, and, and you know, many controversies over translating the Bible um, and those kind of things. So, you know, again, I think, um, uh, you know, digital media, new media, however you want to frame those kind of things, again, it's it's not a good or bad thing. It's, it's how it's uh, used. And so, you know, I, I referred to Catholic art and Catholic sacred music, you know, human beings are storytellers. I mean, going back to Homer or going back to Sappho or going back, you know, we're storytellers. We live through stories. And so really important to OSD Institute as a whole is that we produce excellent quality stories. What are we doing? What are we doing it for? Um, you know, what are our challengers doing? All those kind of, I mean, and high quality materials. I mean, that's, that's um, been sort of a, a, a uh, touchstone for everything we've done. And I really appreciate you acknowledging that. I mean, our director of mar marketing, Jason Knees, has done a tremendous job working with some of our, our um, partners and, you know, things, people like ODB Films and, um, you know, um, uh, Sherwood Fellows or Sherwood down in uh, Austin, Texas did our, if, if you just want to just see a great promo video, go see the OSV Challenge video for this year. It's a tremendous video at osvchallenge.com. Now again, and, and I just want to encourage, you know, your listeners, um, if you have a nascent idea or if you filled out the application, but you're, you're fearful, say a prayer and submit it, um, you know, because really it is, it's about taking that, that chance. And, you know, we really want that net to be cast wide. That's great. That was the video that I saw. And I thought that was, it really it inspired me. It fired me up. I was like, this is great stuff. Let's share this with everybody, right? It's, it, it's a very good video. Absolutely. Definitely go check it out. You know, Matt, even if somebody's not submitting an idea, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners would still be interested in seeing what kind of programs and ideas are being presented. So as the, the process moves along, how can people just follow along? Can they see some of the videos of the applicants eventually as the as it kind of gets pared down? And, and uh, yeah, what's some of the timelines, I guess, around that before it gets to the final round? Sure, Dave. So again, we have till April 2nd for the first, uh, first round of submissions. And then, um, then, um, uh, we will inform folks who move from first round to second round. Uh, May 28th will be the second round requirements. And then we'll announce the semifinalists this summer, June 25th. And really when we get to that semifinalist, the 25, we will do some marketing and we'll do some public relations. Who are these 25? Because part of it too, you know, we found that we can serve these organizations again. They don't win or those kind of things, but we can serve by raising their brand awareness. So in June, we'll really sort of start promoting these semifinalists. And then we get to the finalist um, announcement in August 30th. And this timeline is available at osvchallenge.com. So again, 
all things you might want to know about the challenge are at osvchallenge.com. Um, but when we announce the finalists in August 30th, again, we'll, we'll do a lot of promotion of those 12 finalists. Um, you know, hopefully we can even come back on, on podcasts like yourself, Dave, and maybe talk about who we're doing those kind of things and maybe even, you know, bring some of the semifinalists or finalists in as we get closer. And then we will have a demo day, September 18th. And we're really hopeful we can have a live demo day this year, you know, in person and those kind of things. And we'll see what we'll do with the simulcast and virtual and things like that. But, you know, don't worry. We OSB will tell the story of these finalists and these winners uh, as thoroughly as we, we can. And, and like I said, I appreciate being on your show. I hope I appreciate you letting us spread the word about this. And, you know, as we go through this, you know, we'd be happy to come back and talk a little bit what maybe we learned um, as we do this and maybe some of our challengers. Yeah, that sounds great. I mean, we want to bring these ideas and, and people together. And I think that's a, it's a great way to do this. So, yeah, absolutely. We'll probably be taking you up on that for sure, Matt. And uh, so uh, OSV Challenge, it's on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, anywhere else that you want to uh, to share with LinkedIn, us? Instagram, any of those things. We we try to be out there. And, and again, you know, OSVChallenge.com is for the challenge. But I also really encourage your listeners, if, if they're intrigued by these ideas of innovation, Go to osvtalks.com, and those are sort of the Catholic TED Talks. Wide range of topics, um, I think a topic for everybody. Always suggest you start with Jason Shanks, uh, the first talk, because it's, it's the inefficient innovator. I think it sort of sets the stage for what OSV uh, Institute for Catholic Innovation is trying to accomplish. Um, but, you know, there's some tremendous talks there. Um, some that'll get you fired up, some that'll make you think, some that'll uh, maybe even make you cry. So... Um, you know, please, please, you know, if this interests you at all, um, take a look at that, osvtalks.com. And I think those are the, those are good programs to do now, especially when a lot of people are still at home. Unfortunately, they're not able to go to church during the time that we're recording this, at least, Matt. Hopefully in a few years, people will look back at the archives and say, yeah, I wasn't, can't believe that actually happened back then. But there <laughs> is a, a lot of folks that are still at home and we still need to be evangelizing and we still need to evangelize that uh, that never goes away. That uh, the spreading the gospel of Jesus to others uh, doesn't go away, and we need to be filled as well. So that's a great website. I'll make sure that we've got that in the show notes as well. Uh, Matt, thanks so much for your time. God bless the work that you're doing, and uh, really look forward to, to keeping tabs on the OSB Challenge here over the spring and summer, and uh, look forward to chatting with you again in the future. Thanks so much, Dave. Really appreciate the opportunity to be on your show, and and really encourage your listeners take a chance. Indeed, take a chance. Uh, big thanks to Matt Smith for joining us on this episode of the Catholic Connect podcast and invite you to check out the great work that's happening at our Sunday Visitor, the OSV Challenge, the OSV Institute, and OSV Talks. And I've already listened to a couple of them here in the last few days, and uh, they're really outstanding. And like I said about TED Talks, uh, a lot of them are okay. Uh, a lot of interesting information that's given, but it really does come from a secular worldview. And uh, uh, the one refreshing thing that I found about the OSV talk series is that it comes from a Catholic worldview and a worldview of the gospel and spreading the gospel to others. And I really enjoyed those talks and I invite you to go and listen to them. Those will all be in the show notes for you. And I'm looking forward to seeing how the OSV challenge turns out this year here in season two to see what kind of ideas and innovative ideas to bring the gospel to the church and to others outside the church as well. Looking forward to seeing how that goes and uh, definitely we'll be giving you more information as time goes on. Well, why do we do the Catholic Connect podcast? You know what? It's in order to help you journey towards heaven, to gain that everlasting crown and to be in the presence of Jesus and the saints for all eternity. 
And we're all in this together. And we talked about that a little bit throughout this episode of the podcast with Matt is that to have a community, to be in this world together, to live the gospel message together is a big challenge sometimes, but we need to know that we're together and the devil tries to isolate us and think that we're by ourselves. And uh, that is simply not true. And that's the purpose of this podcast is to live a sacramental life, to live a life in communion with Jesus Christ, and also to discover the larger church outside of our parish and outside of our community. That's so important, obviously, but there is such a big church. There's so many great people outside in different countries and cities all around the world that are battling the same battles as we do, striving for the same goals as we are, and that is heaven. So that's why we're doing this. And you know you got to live a sacramental life in order to get to heaven. So you know you got to go to confession at least three times every year, every Advent, every Lent, and any time you're in a state of mortal sin. Do not even spend a second of your life there. Thanks for listening, everyone. God bless. We'll talk to you very soon.